for you. He's going to give you the strength that you need. We need to unpack real quick, though, what it looks like for those that are living in continual sin. John says this, uh, everyone who sins breaks the law. Sin is lawlessness. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins. And in him is no sin. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. Does this mean you're not going to have a sin? No, no, that's not what it means. This is saying you don't get to have habitual sins that own you. He has come to free the captives. That's us. John says, you don't know him if you're staying in your sin. John ain't playing, and neither is Jesus, because our souls are on the line. If we've tasted, if we've seen, if we've touched, and we know how good he is, our life should reflect those lyrics, should they not? You either see them as sins or a crutch, perhaps. Maybe it's you justify yourself in how you continue to habitually sin. But John says, you don't know him. If that's you tonight, I hope your heart's breaking. You know what else James says? He says, for those of you who know the good that you ought to do and fail to do it for you, it's sin. The bar is raised for the men of God. This, this, where we're at today with the statistics that we saw and the complacency, it's absolutely despairing. And God is calling each of us in this room tonight. You guys voluntarily came out to stand up and literally get your game on for Christ. It's time for the men of God to stand up. And I am telling you right now, Jesus is calling each of us to lead with passion and intensity. You don't have to be crazy like me, I get that. But you can literally stand firm for Christ and not allow somebody to take him down, and especially in your own life. Paul says this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Philippians 4.13. Come on, we've all heard it. This is not a bumper sticker. I'm telling you right now, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. What else does Paul tell us? Paul says this in Romans 8, Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. We have been set free, brothers. There is no need to stay in our sin. John says this in John 15, I am the vine. I love this. The branches, get this, the one who abides in me while I abide in him produces much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. God's awesome. Now get this, we can't do anything without him. We need his strength to literally do anything. What are you relying on when life happens? Who are you relying on when life happens? You know, we got a little bit of Kurt's story with the divorce and Dan's story with, with, with losing his job. You know, the old saying, uh, what's in the bottle? You'll, you don't know what's in the bottle until it's squeezed, right? You've heard that? What's in your bottle, gentlemen? Who or what are you running to? Who or what are you relying on to help you out? Jesus is not an idea. He's a person. He's the creator of the world. And he's calling each of us tonight to come and rely on him. This would be the exact opposite of relying on yourself, white-knuckling it, pulling up your bootstraps, whatever little analogies you want to use. We can't rely on our heritage. We can't rely on our tenacity. We have to rely only on Jesus. 
And there may be people that help you through seasons. That's awesome. It's amazing. Really good stuff. God put them in your life for a reason. But they're not God. They're not the one that can save your soul from hell. They're not the one that can give you the strength that you need to to get through the next temptation. He is our only hope. We literally need him. Paul says this out of Acts 13. Brothers, listen. We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. We need him. We need him. We can do nothing apart from him. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? We need him. We can't do this alone. If we could do this alone, then we wouldn't need him, and we do. How many of you in this room have tried to do it on your own and tell me how rad it went out, went for you? When we try to do things on our own, we fail. I don't care how determined you are to never look at pornography again, you're going to fail. I don't care how determined you are to have a better marriage, how determined you are to, to be nicer to your boss or to your kids. We have all these things that we're going to just, we're going to accomplish all of these things. And I'm telling you right now, without the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit, we will fail. We need him, we need him first and we need him most. I'm not, I'm not here to, to condemn and to beat you up. I'm here to give you hope. That hope is in Jesus Christ. I want you to understand that with our need for him, he will meet us right where we're at. The world is telling you to white-knuckle it, to self-help it. I mean, go to Barnes & Noble and look at how many self-help books there are. It's absolutely humorous. And the Bible's telling you that you need Jesus. So the world's saying, you can do this. The Bible's telling you, Jesus does this. Okay? There's a reason that you will fail without Jesus, because there's, there's two things. One is we have an enemy that's going after our soul. He wants you to fail. He wants your marriages to fail. He wants you to fail as a father. He wants you to fail as a business owner. He wants you to fail as a believer in Jesus Christ to discredit you. That's what he wants. That's his goal. The other part of that, we're not strong enough to do it on our own. So he wants us to fail, and we really lack the strength or the tenacity to actually go and, and rely on human strength. But then we go back to what Paul says. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We can go to what John says. You can do nothing apart from me. See, so if you're, if you're trying to do a little bit of the world and a little bit of Jesus, yeah, that's a bad day. It's not going to work. It might work for a while. Sure, you can, you can pull your bootstraps for a while. But you will fail. Because without Christ, you don't have the strength that you need. So what's our response? James says this, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. Because the prayers of a righteous man is powerful and effective. James nailed it. You know they say confession is good for the soul. You've heard that, right? It's good both now and later. There's a freedom that comes from confession. And it could literally be life-changing. So if you look at the scripture, I would assume then the opposite would probably be true, right? So don't confess. So then don't receive healing. And then your prayers are ineffective. Hmm. Gee, let me think about this for a minute. But see, we got this shame. and The enemy tells us, you know, you dirty. You're worthless. You did it again. Shame on you. He wants you to stay right there. He wants you to stay down. And the power of Jesus is coming across and saying, no, you confess. You're going to receive some healing. We are literally having a game-changing experience when we confess our sins. 
We, I, I, I truly believe Scripture supports that we've got to confess to those that we sinned against. That starts with us confessing to God. Your spouse, if you've, if you've sinned against your spouse, your kids maybe, co-workers, friends, you need to seek their forgiveness too because you sinned against them. You might be sitting there right now like, dude, shut up. I don't want to hear this. That's the Holy Spirit inside of you saying, hey, you got some stuff to deal with. I'm right here. I'm going to help you. We serve such a good God. I'm I'm telling you, there's not a better option. So there's two parts to this. So then there's this whole repentance thing. So we've confessed. We've said with our mouth that we're sorry. Our heart follows it. Then there's repentance. Repentance is kind of a twofold word picture, if you will, kind of dual meanings. The first one is a, is a renewing of your mind. So let me unpack this real quick. So we get the help of the Holy Spirit to actually change how we're perceiving things, which has kept us kind of in our sin. So part of confession is repentance. Repentance is this renewing of your mind. The Holy Spirit literally helps us because kind of what you perceive is what you pursue, that whole idea. So we have the renewing of our mind, and then the second part of uh, repentance is I'm going this way to my sin. I'm chasing my sin, and the Holy Spirit says, you're done chasing your sin, and so my heart has changed. And so now I turn 180 degrees, and I start going this way because I'm sorry. I'm going this way because I sinned against a holy God who said I have nothing to do with that. I'm going this way because this is where freedom and life is at, not back in your sin. That's not repentance. That's lip service. If you're like, "Mm, sorry, I did it again. My bad. That's not repentance. Repentance is running the other way. Let me ask you, does your sin break you? Do you even care? For years, I didn't. I I simply said I was sorry. I bootstrapped it. I white-knuckled it, whatever you want to call it. But I didn't have any life change. I wasn't broken. It wasn't until I realized from the Holy Spirit that I was sinning against a holy God who says I have nothing to do with these sins that I was able to see it for what it really was and see myself for who I really was and how much I really, really needed him. It's when we're broken we can look up and see how God can heal us. Sometimes we've got to get out of the way, gentlemen. For me, it had to do with secrets. I had a lot of secrets. Secrets that went back to I was like four years old. But I never fully confessed all my secrets to my spouse because I was ashamed of who I was. It wasn't until I had a full confession to her that I was free. My God forgave me. My wife and kids forgave me. Changed my life. I got to see the work of God. Paul says this in 1 Thessalonians. God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and he'll live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Why are we living like pagans? Paul says, don't do that. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you that you're completely rejecting. You're disobeying him. Do you not care about your sins? Do they break you? Do they propel you into the arms of Christ? 
Because the enemy wants you to go away. They want to keep you down, keep you away from Christ. We have the Holy Spirit to guide us. The resurrecting power of the Holy Spirit resides in you. He guides you. He helps you. And I'm telling you right now, this is the best way to live. No shame, no guilt, no condemnation, freedom in Christ Jesus to live your literal best life. Try that one, Joel Osteen. That's your best life now. But you got to want it. You got to want it. This isn't one of those just good ideas, let's get everybody excited and just leave. You have to want Jesus more. What's one way we can do this? Let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus Christ, the author and perfecter of our faith. That's how we do this. You keep your eyes on Jesus. You run the race that he has you on. We all got our own story. We all have our own path. I get it. But you need to run it for him and you need to keep your eyes on him or you will go back. I promise. You will. You can only do it for so long. You can only pretend for so long. If you're not relying on the power of Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, you will keep the sin that clings to you. It's kind of hard to run when you have all this stuff clinging to you, isn't it? We need to get our eyes off of ourselves and put them onto Jesus Christ. We need to lean on and look to the author and perfecter of your faith. He's written your story. Do you think he knows how to help you? And yet, as men, we think we got this. We don't. I'm telling you right now, as soon as you realize how strong he is and how weak you are, it's a game changer. The pressure's off of you to perform. It's just him. It's just him. Freedom only comes in Christ Jesus, you guys. So there's three parts. Confess and repent. We've talked about that. Remember, you have a renewing of the mind, right? You change directions. You run towards him. Confess to those you sinned against. We got that down. Then you got to forgive yourself. This isn't self-help therapy class. Just stay with me. My wife uses this great analogy of, would you blame a blind man for falling into a ditch if he wasn't warned? Pretty good analogy. You wouldn't blame him, would you? It's not his fault. He didn't know. See, but, but now we know who Christ is calling us to be. We now know who Christ is calling us to live. And so by us living in our disobedience before we knew, it, it kept us from freedom. You've got to let it go. If you have confessed your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive. If you have repented, you have turned from your wicked ways. He's got you right where he wants you. Now, you got to let it go. Don't let your identity be who you used to be either. you got to let it go. Christ is offering us this freedom. The third thing is to walk by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. I love this part. Paul says this in Galatians, but I say walk by the Spirit, and you won't gratify the desires of your flesh For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. They are opposed to one another. Makes sense. Look at your own life. Uh Okay. Paul goes on, he says, but if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, so the works of the flesh is basically just living for your own selfishness. They're evident. Paul gives this long laundry list from sexual immorality to... Jealousy to rivalries and, and everything in between. And he says, and I warn you that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. They take this very seriously as 
should we? You're pursuing sin. You're pursuing your flesh. You're pursuing what you want to pursue. You're not pursuing Jesus. Why would you want to be with him forever? You're not pursuing him now. Cannot run after sin and Jesus at the same time. Paul goes on, he says, but the fruit of the Spirit. And I know you've heard this, come on. If you were in church for more than a week, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But listen, this is the fruit, this is the outpouring, this is the working of the Holy Spirit. It's love, it's joy, it's peace. Oh, peace is so good, isn't it? It's patience that God gives us. It's kindness, it's goodness, it's his faithfulness. It's gentleness and self-control, they all come. We get to live out of that. And against such things, there's no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We do not stay there. We have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Have you done that in your own lives? Have you crucified what your flesh wants? Or have you, have you, have you justified it because you've had a bad day? Or you had a good day? Or you had a bad year? Or you had a good year? Enough's enough. We need to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we walk in the Spirit, we can choose Jesus over sin. If we walk in the Spirit, we are honoring and pleasing our holy God. That's what we get to be a part of. That doesn't bring guilt. That doesn't bring shame. That does not bring condemnation. That brings a full life, full of impact. I coined this term, and I say that tongue-in-cheek. It's called the freedom box. So in the yellow, is that yellow to you guys? I can't tell. Yeah, yellowish. So that's the freedom box, okay? The world is the blue, all the outside stuff, and the world is trying to take you outside of the freedom box. The enemy of our souls wants us outside of the freedom box. The world is telling you that outside the freedom box is where the fun is really at. Now, understand, not everything outside of the freedom box, these are not bad things. But if they replace your love for Christ, if they become your priority, if they become what or who defines you, excuse me, what defines you, then yes, you are literally stepping into bondage. The freedom box actually isn't boring. Being with Jesus Christ is amazing. God doesn't want us pursuing sin. Not because he's a killjoy. Like, he's not boring. God's pretty outlandishly crazy if you followed him for more than a week. You're like, really? You want me to what? Yes. He's crazy. So he's fun. What the world is saying, come, I want to put you into bondage. See, God is so the opposite of that, of the bondage. He doesn't want us to be hurt. He wants us to be healed. He doesn't want us to be blind, but he wants us to see him for who he really is. He doesn't want us to be in condemnation. He wants us to be in his freedom. He doesn't want us to be enslaved to what leads to death. He wants us enslaved to what leads to life. That's only possible through the power of Jesus Christ. We've got to recognize that God has set us apart. We are supposed to look different, you guys. Our lives are not supposed to look like the world's. Peter says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. That's how rad God is. He takes us out of the darkness into the light and allows us to live this amazing life. 
It doesn't mean there's not going to be hardships. There will be, I promise. It doesn't mean that it's gravy train because it's, sometimes it's really tough. But if you're relying on the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ, you literally are surrendering your life, you're going to be okay. And you can still choose Jesus over sin. Do not go out of this box into bondage because that will hold you down and it will take your soul. Sin separates us from God and Jesus is drawing each of us back tonight to God. Jesus is drawing us in. He's saying, come on, gentlemen, come on. Jesus Christ is our only hope. He's all we got. It is time for the men of God to stand up and fight for what's right. It's time for the men of God to say enough is enough. Complacency, passivity, the life that, you're, that you may or may not be living, no more. You claim to love Jesus Christ. You have to live a life that reflects that. It's time for the men of God to kill our idols, to crucify our flesh. Mm, to crucify our flesh. That's what we got to do. It's time for the men of God to lead our families well. It's time for the men of God to protect and not exploit women. It's time for the men of God to want to be holy and to want to be righteous, which means right living for God. That's what we should desire. It is time for the men of God to stand up for this stuff. It's time to stop excusing our sin and justifying why we're so weak when we have the power of Christ Jesus. It is time for the men of God to live as the men of God. Amen. Aaron, come on up, brother. thing I love about my brother Josh is that he's so vague. <laughs> Have you ever heard a brother just put it so directly and succinctly? The guy articulates really well, and I appreciate that. I love being with men of God that we can speak frankly to one another, especially about these issues, because these issues really are killing us in this day. I was asking the Lord, I said, you know, my, my place here tonight is to open and to close, and I'm going to lead us into a time of prayer ministry to and with one another. And I felt like the Lord gave me um, an analogy, and if you could put that up on the screen, the picture of that flood, uh, to just give us kind of a word picture of this one idol, and there were many that that Josh was touching on, but this porn thing, it's it's killing us. And it, porn if you if you put it in this context, it's kind of like um, contaminated water, filthy water. And I looked up um, this image of the flood in Houston last year and the devastation that was going on. And part of the danger was this uh, septic water, basically, contaminated water that had infiltrated the um, most of the city. The thing is, if, if you draw that parallel... That porn is like water. I don't know if you guys were like me, but when you were when you were young, mom always said, you know, don't get dirty. Like, why do moms do that? I don't know. But don't don't get wet and don't get dirty. So we would find ways to get wet and dirty, right? We would find a swimming hole. We would find some place in a creek or a pond, 
it was usually pretty filthy, and we'd sneak off and swim and splash around in it because for some reason that's a whole lot of fun. And then we would find ways to dry off and pretend, you know, that we didn't do that or tell our parents that some lie that we didn't. Did anybody do that besides me? Like, uh, getting dirty was fun. The thing is, is that porn is like that, that it used to be when we were kids, when I was a kid, because I'm getting older now, uh, you had to go find it. You had to go find it, and it was on the outskirts of town, and it was in some secret place. It was in your dad's garage or your, your friend's dad's, you know, whatever, shed, and you could find this filthy stuff and pollute your mind with it. And now that flood, that, that filthy water is like a flood. The river has overflown its banks, and it is right up to your house. In some cases, it's in your house. It is unavoidable temptation, and it feels unfair to us. The fight's not fair. We used to have to look at it. We used to have to look for it. We had to try to sin. Now, you don't have to try. You're going to have to work hard to avoid it. It's everywhere. It's on our phones. It's on our laptop computers. As Josh said, he unpacked the whole thing beautifully. Gaming equipment, television, at the newsstand, almost on every advertisement online, um, it just bombards us from every direction. Sexual sin and compromises encroach into our lives, producing moral and spiritual confusion and death. Not just the world around us. It doesn't distinguish between us and the world. In Christian homes, in Christian men, we are responsible for a great deal of sexual sin. And it has literally entangled us. It has tripped us up and has caused many of us to fall. Now, we may measure that fall based on how we measure ourselves with other people. But as, as Josh pointed out beautifully, we don't measure ourselves against one another. We get measured against Christ, and that puts us all in a difficult place. We cannot ignore or minimize the effects of this sin or the bombardments of these temptations we are facing in our world today. You know that um, David articulated this, and he actually used a similar analogy in Psalm 69. I found this. I thought it was kind of a Holy Spirit thing, so just hang on to this for a second. David says in Psalm 69, verse 14, Deliver me from sinking into the mire. Let me be delivered from my enemies and from the deep waters. Let not the flood sweep over me or the deep swallow me up or the pit close its mouth over me. Answer me, O Lord, for your steadfast love is good. According to your abundant mercy, turn to me. Hide not your face from your servant, for I am in distress. Make haste to answer me. Draw near to my soul. Redeem me. Ransom me from my enemies. Guys, you and I have an enemy, and he is pursuing you. And it's like a flood water. It's like, it's like the, the river went nuts and it went all over the city and it's right up to your house. And you really can't even go out your door like this guy without getting wet, without getting tainted, without getting dirty. No, it isn't fair, but it is real. And it has a very spiritual agenda to the whole thing. The compromise that we experience in sin with any kind of idolatry, porn, you know, we're unpacking that tonight because the ladies aren't here. Thank God we have this opportunity. But it's really any kind of idolatry. The compromise that we have produces shame and guilt, and then we, we beat ourselves up. Well, I chose to wade in it. I even swam in it. Every time I click, I'm, I'm hooked, and I can't get away from this thing. I feel 
powerless. And that guilt and shame we start beating ourselves up with produces an, an apathy which takes us out of the race. We stop walking with Jesus because we feel shamed and, and, and powerless to, to even walk with Him, even though the gospel is that, no, you're, you're not powerful enough to follow Him. All you have to do is say yes to Him. Just yield your heart this much, and He comes flooding in with all of His power. Amen? <clears throat> Jesus comes along. Let's go to the next slide. And instead of allowing us to walk ankle-deep, knee-deep, waist-deep in filth, He comes by with a boat, a rescue boat. And His invitation is to get in the boat. And he's not kidding because you're not going to win with the fight with the floodwaters. The floodwaters will overtake you. It will fill your house. It will sweep you away in the current, and you will die. Spiritually, morally, you will die if you don't get in the boat. And so what Jesus is saying, and for us tonight, I think this is an apt analogy. I felt led by the Lord to, to share this with you. Get in the boat and get in the boat now and stay in the boat. Don't dangle one foot in the boat. Don't go for a swim in the thing. Get in the boat and stay dry. Life in Christ is, to follow the analogy, it is dry. It is learning to stay dry. It is helping others um, to get out of their powerlessness from the cold, filthy, watery current. Um, Jesus came, he said in Mark chapter 3, to plunder Satan's house. And guess what? That's you and me. We were captive in his house, captive to do his will. And Jesus came to tie him up and take you with him. Let him do his work. There really is hope for us, faithless and compromised Christians. There is hope because we need to know where the boat is. We recognize the rescue ship. We, um, we just need to encourage each other to take advantage of that. We're going to pray tonight, and the worship team can come up, um, and they're going to help us minister to one another um, to help us focus our attention on the Lord and stay attentive to the Holy Spirit. Um, Josh already quoted out of James um, a little bit, but I'm going to read the whole passage to give us some context for how we're going to do this. And it sets our, our faith and our attention in the right direction. He says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one, one another that you may be healed. The prayer of the righteous person has great power as it is working. That is what we're going for tonight. And here's how we, I would like to do it. Um, you guys we've all been to church like how many thousands of times we've done this, right? Come forward, altar call, right? Well, we're still going to do it in that format, but here's, here's, my, here's my exhortation to us tonight. Everyone prays. We are all here to pray and to seek the will of God. We are here to break the bondages and the assignments that are over your heart and mine, and so we're all going to pray together. There are some of you who feel, as Josh has been speaking, the, the tug of the Holy Spirit. You feel the grace to actually repent. You actually feel some wind of the Holy Spirit to actually turn around or to say yes one more time to Jesus. And those guys, if that's you, then I want you to come up 
front so that we just have an opportunity to know who you are and stand next to you and speak life into you through the Holy Spirit. In prayer, we're going to agree with you. So if you're feeling that grace for repentance, if you feel like there's an idol of any kind, whether it's porn, it could be anger, anxiety, anything that's tripped you up and kept you away from the life of God, the life that Jesus died for, then you need to come forward just so that we can access grace for you. There's another category of people here tonight that you feel, truly you feel like I'm, you're sitting here, I am glad I'm here, it came out on a, on a Saturday night, but I feel like I have a clear conscience. I'm okay. I, I feel like my heart is, I'm not actually tangled up in idols, and I'm pretty clear. Me and Jesus are, are clear right now. But I feel like, this is you, I feel like God, the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. I want you, because you're in my boat, I want you to help me throw a rope or um, a life preserver to somebody. And if that's you, you may be a pastor, but not necessarily. Listen, we're not going to do titles tonight, so I don't care if you have leadership responsibility in the church. If you feel God's point, pinpointing an idol in your life, then come forward for prayer. You need prayer and grace. And it's not just the pastors that uh, we want to see ministering to someone tonight. If God is speaking to you, your conscience is clear, but I want you to throw a rope to somebody. Then I want you to come up and stand behind someone who's come up for prayer, identified that they need prayer, stand behind them, and be a tool of the in- and an instrument of the Holy Spirit to speak to them. We'll have some suggested scriptures up on the on the screen, but the Holy Spirit's going to lead you anyway into encouraging this brother. Now, everyone else who may feel like, you know, I'm not, I don't feel like there's a major issue that I need that prayer uh, ministry tonight. I, I, I don't know that I'm supposed to go pray specifically for someone tonight. You are here, I believe, on assignment from God to intercede. And I want you to be, if you're not up here doing one of those two things, getting groups of two, three, or four, and pray. Because I'm going to tell you what, the Holy Spirit wants to do something powerful in our lives. He has all of us here. He changed the world with less people than this. And we're in one county. And we need the fire of God to sweep across this land. We have got to be men of God, not little bit men of God, not 50% or 20% men of God. We need to be fully the men of God or nothing is going to change and things need to change because this flood has invaded our lives. We have to we have to move toward Jesus. So I want you intercessors then to gather together two, three, or four and pray for the, the ministry of the Spirit and also pray against the confusion of the enemy because he will like to move some of us out into confusing thoughts or some uh, idea that we need to somehow bolt out the door. We are not in a hurry. What's the beauty about Saturday nights? Is you don't have to be home and report to your wife for a very long time. I mean, maybe. <laughs> but you got some time. And we don't want to be in a hurry. Today is the day of salvation is what the Lord says. And we want the Holy Spirit to lead. And the last thing I want to say is that there are pastors here, and we so appreciate you guys. Pastors and men's leaders and ministry leaders, we want you, um, I want you to be um, on the ready to make appointments tonight. There may be men that know you or that you know them, and um, they need some follow-up. So make an appointment. I hope that your appointment books get filled with follow-up conversations from the prayer ministry that goes on tonight. 
So um, Carlo's going to play. The team's going to play and uh, help us minister. Guys, uh, there's nothing magical about when you can come up right now, like as I'm speaking, because I'm just closing it down. In fact, as you consider what the Lord is doing with you, if you need prayer, special prayer tonight, come forward. If you feel like you need to pray for somebody, um, come up as well. Identify um, yourself with someone that's coming for prayer. And as we move into that, I'm going to read. Um, just well, you can put the scriptures up. There you go. It's up on the board. And I'm going to read uh, from a couple of verses from Psalm, uh, Psalm 51. This is how David says it. You know, when he got when he got caught with his deal with Bathsheba, you know, we're no different than him. And he writes in song, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love. According to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Amen. Guys, I would like everyone to stand up, if you will. And then you can just move to whatever position God's telling you to go. And we're not going to stop until the Lord's done. And I so appreciate everybody coming out and just exercising your faith. I'm going to start us off in prayer. I just feel like I should kind of lead in that way. Holy Spirit, we give you this time. We give you our hearts. Holy Spirit, it is against you that um, we've sinned and held on to idols. Lord, there's just been so many things. So many things that have gotten in the way and so many excuses we've made for our sin. Lord, I ask you to give us the grace to walk toward you with a whole heart. Lord, you've already promised us in your word that you will set us free, that you are our strength in our life, that it doesn't depend upon us and our goodness, but it only depends on the finished work of Jesus on the cross and his promise to give us the Holy Spirit you said that we'd, you would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we're asking, Lord, that you grant that to us yet again, one more time. Your Holy Spirit and your fire. Lord, we thank you for this ministry that, that you are doing for us. And we receive it in Jesus' name.